If you're an attorney that struggles with getting home in time for dinner or taking a vacation without your cell phone and your laptop attached to your hip, or maybe you just can't figure out why you don't make more money based on your education level and the service that you give to your clients. Maybe you're an attorney who wonders, why can't my law firm operate without my constant presence? Or finally, maybe you're thinking to yourself, I wonder if I can ever retire from my firm. Maybe I'm going to have to work right to my dying day, like so many other attorneys before me have done. Well, hi, my name is Richard James, and I created EA Nation so that you could learn how to build a law firm that supports your lifestyle as compared to undermining your lifestyle. EA Nation stands for Entrepreneurial Attorney Nation, and we join together with other like-minded entrepreneurial attorneys to unpack the secrets to how to do just that. And I want to help you build your law firm better one system at a time. So without further ado, let's get started with this next Episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of EA Nation. We hope that you're looking forward to talking with your like-minded entrepreneurial attorneys, where we work together to build the system so that you can have a law firm that supports your lifestyle rather than undermines your lifestyle. In this particular episode, we're going to be unpacking the stories of our EA Nation. That's E Entrepreneurial Attorney Nation's uh, contest for the EAY contest. That's the Entrepreneurial Attorney of the Year contest. That's right. We have our Partners Club members compete each year uh, to see who's going to be put their name on the trophy of our Entrepreneurial Attorney of the Year contest. Now, all of the four finalists are winners already because if you are chosen as a finalist, you actually win an all-expense-paid trip to our Partners Club event that happens in August, typically somewhere really nice. And they also win a full-day mastermind with me as well as a guest of my choosing and last year's winner. So it's going to be a real special day for them as well as an all-expense-paid trip. So they really have a great time and they get a great prize, but they also want to win. They want to win. They want to have their name on the trophy. I'll tell you that in 2020, the uh, championship or the contest was well fought. Uh, we had more applicants than we had had in all previous years. And this was a difficult year. And yet we had some amazing stories from our members. So without further ado, uh, we're going to break into this conversation with the EAY finalists. Just as a quick piece of housekeeping, in case you're a Partners Club member and you haven't already RSVP'd for the event that's happening in May, and you want to hear the contestants present live, either in person or virtually, um, you want to make sure you get registered in RSVP. That's the richardjames.com forward slash RSVP. Not only do you need to do that so that we know that you're coming, we can make sure we feed you or hold your spot virtually. But if you need to book a hotel room, you need to know that uh, hotel rooms in Arizona are going quickly. I've been told that they're 60% sold and they expect to fully book out. So you want to get that hotel room booked right away. If you're a guest here, if you're not in our Partners Club world or our toolkit world, or if you're a past member, please sit back, enjoy. Uh, feel free to ask questions, post it to the comments, or send us an email at richard at therichardjames.com. Looking forward to hearing from you. So without further ado, let's break into our first conversation. So uh, Joe, let's talk about your headline. You had a 1,078% increase uh, whilst bankruptcy was down throughout the course of the year. Tell me, Tell me a little bit about what bankruptcy looked like as a down market for your market and maybe the market as a whole. What, how, how did you see yourself improving as, a, as compared to the market? Oh, we just blew the market away. Um, our market was already on its way down. 2019 was down about 4% while we were up 18%. 2020 was down 33% over the whole year while we were up 21%. Um, so we just blew it away last year. Yeah. And so, you know, what's interesting is there was no major big swing changes that you did to make this happen. These were these were accumulation of lessons and things that you've been doing throughout the last six years in your life with us. Is that an accurate statement? Absolutely. Um, you know, I've, I've worked for for years to try to keep the the, the lows higher. Uh, you know, I get a hard time from a lot of the other people that uh, don't hit a lot of home runs, but I don't strike out much either. And uh, you know, we, one, one uh, event we were playing at Top Golf, and everyone's sitting there just swinging, hitting the back fence and trying to hit the back fence and get the big, uh, big points. 
And I just sat there with my seven iron plunking the, the brown target and I ended up a uh, better score than everybody else. Like, well, you know, consistent uh, seven iron is going to be, beat your score all day long, at least in top belt. You know, there's a parable, child's parable, what, called the tortoise and the hare? Uh, there, there's, an awful, there's an awful lot of truth to that. But I want to take you back a notch because it wasn't always like this, right? So, you know, I think your quote was, if I can get to it real quick, it was, um, um, I was sitting there. Um, oh, let me get to it. There we go. Joe Jepson. There we go. So my cash was gone. And I was falling into debt and despair. Take us back to that moment, what it looked like for you. Sure. I, I started a firm with a, a friend of mine that did personal injury work. And uh, the goal was that I would file bankruptcies and keep the doors open. And he would do the PI work and he would pay the bonuses. Um, and that way, he didn't, we didn't need to save up a big board chest to do litigation and that kind of thing. Um, and it had just not worked. He wasn't pulling his weight. And so eventually, we split ways. Uh, and I thought that I had been supporting the both of us this whole time. I was going to do great without this dead weight over here. And so uh, I went crazy and I tried to do all these different things, but I didn't track anything. I thought that I was being a good business person because we went from you know zero to 60 and we had a bunch of cash. Uh, but I realized that I had been tracking cash and didn't know a whole lot about why we had cash. And so I tried different marketing ideas and I didn't track if it was working. I just saw the expense start coming in and it scared me. And I stopped it. And, you know, I, I was making silly decisions that didn't have any bearing to reality. Um, so I got to the point where I had maxed out my credit. I, I went from two months of cash in the bank to maxed out credit. And I think about the time I found you was the time that I was trying to file a bankruptcy case and realized I couldn't file this bankruptcy case because I didn't have room on my credit card to pay the filing fee. Right. I had the money in trust. I was being a great attorney, doing everything I was supposed to do, but I'd failed so bad at the business side that yeah. I, I couldn't, couldn't help my, my clients. Yeah. And so, you know, what's interesting is when you joined our world, you came from this, you know, failure, which congratulations, that's, that's a win, right? As an entrepreneur, we're going to experience that you did, you came out the other side, you walked into our world and here you, you step into a world where everybody else is buying Facebook ads and spending money on pay-per-click and putting an advertisement on the TV and making big swooping changes, but you didn't have the capital to do any of that. So like, what did, what did you do to get started? Like for that small firm that's looking at us going, and I don't even know how I'm going to fix, you know, get, I don't have any money in the bank at all. Where do I even start? What did you do? First thing I did was fix my collect my collections. Uh, you know, when uh, Mark Demru helped me to, uh, you know, get to my first Phoenix event, uh, he, he was trying to get me to, to come out there. And I uh, sort of petulantly said, yeah, give me $10,000 and I'll be there uh, next week for this event. And so he said, great. Uh, what do your receivables look like? And I had like six figures and outstanding receivables uh, from these bankruptcy clients that uh, I had agreed to payments and never paid me. Uh, and so he said, great, those are the people you're going to call. Here's the script you're going to call and this is what you're going to say. And so a week later, when I was in Phoenix with $10,000, I got to shake him by the hand and thank him. Um, and, you know, that, that was great. And then from there, I figured out how to fix the collections going forward. You know, at some point that's, you know, not going to get any more juice out of squeezing those receivables, but I was able to increase my realization rate uh, to north of 80% so that I was doing the same work, but getting paid dramatically more for it because I was actually getting paid for it. And from there, I had a nice base to start adding improvements. Yeah. So, but it's not all beds of roses from there, right? I mean, there's thorns in those roses, right? Because there was a moment there in inside, uh, even when you were in our program, even after you were doing some of the basic things, you came to me and said, listen, I'm still struggling. I'm really trying to figure out why I'm not progressing faster. And we had, we had a conversation about that. What did, what did you take from that conversation? Oh, I was in tears. This was after the, one of my first, uh, captain's dinners. That's, uh, you know, our, our weekly, uh, implementation groups. I'm one of the captains of that, uh, one of those groups. And uh, in our quarterly meetings, we get to go dinner for, with Rich and Blaine and usually the speaker and get a lot more uh, value out of that. Um, but while I was there, the end of the meeting, he's like, all right, I've been, uh, you know, all excited with everybody and bragging. And then as soon as everyone left, I said, Rich, you got to help me. I'm, I'm balancing my IOLTA by the hour so that I can pay for lunch on the way home at the airport. Um, and I was struggling. 
and it took me a long time to, uh, you know, kind of use every extra dollar that I was able to bring in to grow and grow and to the point where things leveled off and were sustainable so that I can grow and grow to build additional success. Uh, it just took a long time. Uh, I, I joined in 2015 and it was 2018 before I finally paid off the business credit card. It was the beginning of 2019 before I paid off the uh, line of credit. By the August of 2019, I'd paid off my student loans. Going into 2020, I had two months of cash on hand. And uh, this year, I've had my best year ever, over a thousand percent increase in net income, uh, 200% increase in owner benefit, just on and on. Everything that I wanted to be doing, I finally got there. You know, I'm not hitting home runs, but I'm not striking out. It just keeps on chugging. Yeah, but it's a compounding effect of all the little things you kept on doing, right? There was a little bit of mind ch- you know, a mindset adjustment for yourself. There was a, a little bit of swiping and deploying ethically from your other members of what they were doing and adding to your library of things that work. There was a little testing of things that worked and didn't work. And there was a period in the beginning where you're wondering, is all of this going to add up? And, and the idea was, yes, the key is just to keep the lows from getting too low so you can survive them so that you can also try to enjoy the high. Now, they may not be as high as well, but it's a nice, comfortable growth pattern. And and like you said earlier, to go from zero to 60 is one thing. To go from 60 to 100, is, it takes a lot, you know, just as much, if not more effort. And so that's where you were. You found yourself in 2019 in a great position, paying off your student loan debt, paying off your, per, your, your company debt, being really in a position where it was all starting to work. And yet in 2020, in the most difficult year ever, it really just all these compounding effects took off. And I think you just said to me not long ago that even January and February of this year are up from last year. Is that right? Yeah, we're up 64% net income in the first two months of uh, 2021 over where we were 2020, which was the tailwind I was expecting to push me through uh, COVID stuff. Um, And and, you you mentioned the uh, change in mindset. And I think that was really a big thing aside from, I guess, along with raise your prices. Everyone needs to raise your prices. You don't charge enough. Um, But you know, that, that's a hard thing for a lot of people to get through their heads is raising their prices. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's one of the first things I, I tell the, the new members that you're undercharging, you're not valuing yourself. And the last guy doesn't know what you're charging the next guy. So the problem is between your own ears. And the, the best example I have of that um, in law school, I worked for someone doing bankruptcy. And I remember him telling me, that if he ever found himself with his face on a billboard, he knew he was in the wrong business because he never wanted to be that guy. Skip forward years and years, and uh, we were in kind of a a, a lightning round implementation, and and one of the other members was saying, well, sure, Rich, that that seems like a good idea, but, you know, that doesn't that seem sleazy? And I said, hold on. We just looked at empirical data that this thing works. Would you agree this thing works? Yes, it does. Okay. Do you believe that you will do a better job for your clients than anybody else? Yes, I do. Is there anything other than your vanity that stops you from doing something you know to be effective to give better results to more people? And just looking at it purely in a numbers perspective like that and just dialing, adjusting the dials and adjusting the dials and just over time, that just builds into a fast machine and that's all it is continue changing the brakes as you go around the corner and making small improvements until you're on your way. Well, you summed it up better than I could, Joe. That was well said. Uh, That is the mindset adjustments and carburetor adjustments you've made along the way. And no, it doesn't happen overnight, but I'm, I'm, I'm honored that you, that you stuck with it and that you kept on keeping on and that you've realized the compounding effect of all of your labor. And now you're realizing the fruits. Congratulations to you. Before we go, Tell everybody, you know, why do you think that you should be the next EAY champion? Now, you already won because you're a finalist and you got the all expense paid trip and the mastermind day, but, but you want your name on the trophy. Why should they vote for you? Well, I think as we kind of repeated from the previous effort on this, uh, going from zero to 60 is one thing, but going from 60 to 100 is a whole nother animal. Um, and I'm not trying to downplay the, the, the efforts and successes of, of the other finalist. Uh, it takes a lot of work, no matter what, to be on the stage and to earn where we are on the stage. And that's really the, the win. You know, you say we're already the winner. And the fact that I'm here means that I won in real life before we got to here. Uh, but my goal is to present, uh, to give you details 
uh, with uh, you know, hard numbers about the results that I've seen from each of these small improvements to provide uh, the resources, the forms, the spreadsheets, and everything that you'll need to replicate my success with not a lot of uh, spent expense, not a lot of creativity, not a lot of effort, uh, just swipe and deploy and, and see those same resources. And, and I should uh, mention that aside from the small improvements, the wonderful beard, uh, uh, my office manager, Trisha has really been rowing as hard as anybody else uh, to get us where we are. Um, and so, you know, keeping good staff and with you is, is key as well. Yeah, we can't, we can't do this alone. That's this uh, entrepreneurship is not a, is not, it's a lonely profession, but it, it cannot, a success cannot be achieved on our own. So thank you for saying that about Tricia. I appreciate your insight there and thanks for participating. Congratulations again to you. Go be with your client. Uh, thank you for your patience today. Uh, in typical partners club fashion on the count of three, we'll give Joe a little bit of love. One, two, and three. Nice work, Joe. Congratulations. Uh, on to Mr. Osman and Roxanne. How are you two doing today? You're excellent. Thank you for asking. Uh, I want to talk about your uh, EAY journey. Uh, you are uh, the newest member of the EAY finalists, um, I believe. Uh, and so the the reality is that you you hit the ground running. I mean, you and Roxanne really took this on. But, but, but before I go there, let me just read your uh, headline so everybody knows what we're talking about. So uh, Bill Osman, and really we focus on the attorney, but Roxanne is every bit of part of this process, right? Uh, in only your second year of Partners Club, you increased your total owner's benefit by 81%. Now, for those of you who don't know what total owner's benefit are, we'll talk, we'll have Bill maybe unpack this a little bit for us. But really what it means is the salary you take from your company, um, any benefits that you pass through, we're not, we're not the IRS here and we're not going to judge you. Okay. So whatever you're passing through the company that maybe you're writing off, uh, plus the, your EBITDA, your earnings, your, uh, net income from the company, uh, that you're realizing as profit. And so when we add all that together, that's your owner's benefit. And, and Bill was able to increase his owner's benefit, uh, by 81%. So Bill, Roxanne, why don't we, why don't we talk about that a little bit? What, what did that journey look like last year for you? And, and you hit the ground running. I guess I guess I would say, like, what was the first thing that you did that you, you felt you needed to do right away? The first thing we did right away, there were two things that we did right away. The first thing we did was uh, we invited my longtime bookkeeper and office manager to be a superstar in someone <laughs> else's organization. <laughs> that's, and then that's the second thing I did. It sounds it sounds so like it's such a politically correct way of saying it, right? But <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it, we just don't want to be mean. But the reality is, some sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes we have team members that are holding us back. And, and so did you, by the way, did you recognize that? Like, did you know it all along and, and just joining the program gave you the courage to do it or this foresight? Or did you see what other people's business managers were doing? You're like, yeah, that's not happening in my world. Like how, how did you realize that it was time for that to happen? And was joining our world a catalyst for that? It, joining Richard James uh, absolutely was the catalyst for that. I knew it was a problem. I'd know it'd been a problem for a long time. But what's they say, the evil that you know may be worse than the evil you don't know. Right. And um, I mean, I only have one bookkeeper. Uh, she made sure that the bills were paid and that the, the revenue was collected. And so my fear of, you know, cutting that loose and going into the unknown was difficult. But after going to Partners Club and learning from all these great attorneys, what they do and how they've taken bold steps, it emboldened me to just cut the cord and move forward. Got it. Good. And so that freed you up the environment in the office that changed the way that things were in the office when that happened. Roxanne's not nodding her head. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's so liberated and, and empowered by listening to all of you guys and implementing all these systems and it was okay. Here we go. We can do this. We got this. Yeah. Hey, I'll we tell you, it's hard. Dark, stormy days to bright sunny ones. <laughs> it's really, really, really hard. You know, I, I just had to let go of a, a 16 year employee with me. And, uh, and, and it was really tough. I mean, this person was much like my family. 
Um, but it just got to the point where there, the match was so far apart that it wasn't working anymore. And it was causing, I was, I was building all sorts of bridges around the situation so I didn't have to directly deal with it. I'm human and I'm messy just like everybody else is too. I don't want to have to fire or terminate somebody that I love and care for has been with me a while, but it wasn't working. And as an entrepreneur, our job is to protect the place, right? We have to protect the place so we can serve our clients. We have to protect the place so that everybody else can have a job to do. I mean, you can get crass about it and say things like, you know, thoroughbreds don't like hanging around with donkeys. Yeah, that's true, okay? But the reality is, is as an entrepreneur, we gotta bring love and kindness to a place, but sometimes, bringing love and kindness place means we have to let the wrong people go. And so I'm, I'm congratulations for making that really difficult decision. Uh, having done it enough times in my career and, and having done it just recently yet again, I can tell you it's not easy. So what, what was the next thing that you did? You said you did two things. What was the next thing that you did? The next thing we did was, was raise rates. And so we raised them across the board and I was emboldened by Partners Club from what I'd learned at Richard James, from the, the encouragement of, of my fellow attorneys. And I just raised them across the board. And I thought, okay, what do I got to lose? And you know what? Everybody paid them. And I started doing more hires and, and many other things. And it's like, wow, this worked. So, so raising rates, it sounds so simple, but it's, it's a thing that I, you know, most attorneys really, when they come into our world, they struggle with this idea, whether it's, I didn't go to law school, so I don't know, but whether they beat it in your head in law school that you have to be fairly priced or ethically priced or something, I, I don't know what it is, but there's something around price that a lot of attorneys struggle with. So did you struggle with it and never did it? Or did you, was it a blind spot for you? Did, you didn't even know it was something you could do. Hmm. I felt I was kind of already at the top of my market. Got it. But I went ahead and raised them anyway. And what I did was just say, okay, I'm the partner. I get a hundred more than everybody else. And I'll be, I've raised everybody else's rates. I raised Good. all my paralegal rates. I raised all my office staff rates. Yeah. You know what? One out of 10 people really asked me about my rate. Right. Yeah. They don't care really. They, what, all they really want to know. Cause just to be clear that we're talking predominantly about family law here, right? Predominantly, yes. Yeah. So, so inside this family law sphere, we're we're discussing. I mean, uh, really, what people want to know at the end of the day is how much is this going to cost me. They're they're not necessarily interested in what your hourly rate is. And and we all know in family law, nine times out of ten, we can't give them that because there's so many outside forces. So, so let's let's get back to your let's get back to your uh, dossier here, right? So you said before. Uh, you joined Partners Club. You thought you should be happy. You had a great year. You guys, you guys also have a PI practice inside of this, and you you realized like a really big win from PI, and that you should have like most people looking outside, looking in at your firm would think, well, Bill and Roxanne must be thrilled, um, but you weren't. And and a lot of that was because of this dark cloud of this difficult employee hanging over the office. Is that right? Or was there something going on there other than that for you that caused this feeling of you weren't really time to make the donuts, wasn't really happy going to work? What was that like for you? Well, there were several things at play. So what, one of them, yes, the dark cloud in the office. Um, just, I didn't want to go in, you know, um, I had a, a secretary that just really kind of tried to make herself scarce. Since that time, she's really blossomed and she's become the star employee nice. with some water and sunshine. And it's awesome that I'm seeing these employees grow and we're building new people and we're bringing those people in and they're flourishing and they're giving me more and more time to free up my time so I can be the business manager, I can be the business owner and I'm less the attorney in the, in the trenches taking the shots and firing off the shots. And so it's really put me in a new position. And I love this position. I love being the business owner and not the attorney, not the guy that's complaining about the child support and the spousal support. And, you know, the one that's getting the calls from the clients and opposing party, opposing counsel are so difficult in family. Oh. <laughs> I can only imagine. And so did, let me ask, did you, did you always want to be the business owner? And that was your, you know, that's what you thought yourself of, but you never got there. Or is it coming into our world, you realize that was a possibility for you and you could do that? 
I've always been a businessman, Rich. And and when I was six years old, I'd knock on people's door and sell them nice. newspapers. I don't have any. I don't have any doubt about that at all, Roxanne. You don't have any doubt that that's true, right? <laughs> right, right. But I was limited because there's only so much of me to go around, and so I hired, you know, a second attorney. I hired a third attorney. I hired another paralegal. I hired a secretary. And now these people are doing everything that I used to do, and I can concentrate on knocking on doors and selling newspapers. Mm. And so, so because of that, that you know, feeling of time to make the donuts, time to go to work has gone away. You have a new, a new lease on on your business life. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, you know, I just love going to work. I love what I'm doing. I love the fact that I get to grow the business, that I get to work on my plans, that I get to work on my marketing strategy, that I got to work on the next plan, that I get to look at my four eyes data, that I analyze the business. I've created a corporation. I'm so excited about it that I just, ah, I'm just can't wait to get up and start working on my business and growing that business and seeing how far I can take this. And, and yeah. one thing that I have to add to that, Please. that, the beauty is that we can do it anywhere in the world. Yes. We already <laughs> did that. <laughs> we were away for one month in Kona, Hawaii. Right. There we were going to work via Zoom. <laughs> yeah. So what, so that happened right in the, like you, when COVID hit, you guys were on vacation for a month, right? Is that right? How did that, ha how did that transpire? Right. We were down in Cozumel. Um, we originally were going to go to Vietnam, but that got canceled. So, okay, we're going to go diving in Cozumel. So we're down in Cozumel and they just shut down the world. It's like, wow, what the heck am I going to do? And my, um, my, my bookkeeper then just said, okay, everybody, COVID, everyone go home. Let's close the doors, lock the doors. We're closing the business. Like what? What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait, wait. Hang on. Stop. Stop. This is the, the the close the business means nobody has a job when the business opens up again. Hang on a second. We got to keep this thing rolling. Okay. So so you guys really quickly had to figure out how to run remote, right? In the middle of all of this. Yeah, we rapidly implemented technology. I got some wonderful suggestions from my mastermind group. They said, hey, have you tried this? And I did it, it worked. I started having a new management tool in my, my tool chest and mm -hmm. um, it, it worked. And I started talking rationally to people and I love your words that be the voice of reason and, and, and be that person that, that speaks reasonably and, and, and considerately and, and with measurement. And, and so I just channeled my inner rich and, and things started coming together. That's great. And so, and then you were, uh, Roxanne, you were down in Hawaii as well. Is that a separate trip? Yeah. No, this was another trip and it, this was in December. In December. Okay. So we, we decided to give it a shot and see, okay, let's take one month out of the office in another place, another country, another state and see if we can make this happen. So in addition to this, Roxanne, in this short period of time, you've been able, you, you actually like, you grew the business, you grew the top side gross revenue, you grew your net income, your total owner's benefit. And at the same time, because of COVID and the remote and the systems you guys were able to put in place, you actually made the leap. And let's say, let's see if we can go live from paradise and run the business from paradise. Is that right? Correct. Yes. So and how did that, how did that work so for you? You know what? We were surprised and excited to see that all the systems, all our hard work did pay off. That's We've great. been replicating ourselves through our staff that we have. And you know what? It was, it works like, you know, like a clock. Mm -hmm. And so, so now as you, you're looking forward, you know, we're coming about to the, to the end here, but as we look forward, Bill, one of the things that you and Roxanne were able to now do in 2021 because of this is you, you were actually able to check off that box on the freedom group membership that says, I can take a month off of my business and come back and have it be stronger, or at least the same as it was when I left that, that felt pretty good, didn't it? It, it feels awesome. And, and as my reward, we are going to Europe for a month uh, this fall. Oh, good for you. 
Good for you. That's awesome. And so, <laughs> by the way, on the on the lifestyle side of this, you also, I think, um, uh, lost 22 pounds and caught the largest tuna of your life. So we, I assume the tuna was on one of these awesome trips. Talk to me about the 22 pounds. How were you able to then find the time to dedicate to eating and exercise and whatever else you did to, to re reshape your health? How did that happen? Did that happen because of you being able to replace yourself as well? And you just were able to find time to work on yourself healthfully? Yes. So what I did was I just started putting beach volleyball on my schedule uh, on Tuesdays, Thursdays, I get off at 4.30, I go down to the beach and I play beach volleyball until it's dark and watch the sunset on the beach. And my life uh, is great. I love being on the beach. I love playing volleyball. It's something competitive. I don't like to lose, but other than that, you know, it's, it's wonderful. I got a lot of great friends. I get to play, got a new Peloton bike. And so I just, I've got time in my day to do that. I'm working from home more. So, hey, today, Tuesdays, Thursdays, now I work from home and I go to the beach as soon as it's 4, 4.30 and go play. Well, I can't wait to hear about all the little idiosyncrasies that you did over the last year um, so that people can get an inside scoop on, on the changes that you made and, and give them some real nuggets. Thanks for pouring into them today. Before we part, before we part, why should they choose you as the EAY champion for 2020? That's a great question, Rich. And, you know, I think you're absolutely right uh, that givers give. And I am here for other members. And I want to give back because I am so grateful for the blessings that I've received. And I know that if you want to know something, teach it and help people in that and that's what i love about this group is that everybody is willing to give you the shirt off their back yeah. they're whether willing to come alongside you and i i too i'm willing to come down i'm willing to drill down on this and help you and by helping you i help myself and i learn more and i learn oh here's another angle this is important. This is how I can do this better. And I just keep improving and improving and improving. At the same time, all of you improve. So my dedication to you as your EAY champion is I will share my experience. I will share those lessons. I will teach with you and I will go that extra mile. That's Thank great. you. Well, congratulations to Bill and Roxanne uh, to not only making it as a finalist, but being one of the newest members of the 2021 Freedom Group, our highest level achievement. From uh, me to you, let's give them a round of love. So again, we give a single clap here in Partners Club to show them how much we care for them on the count of three, one, two, and three. Nice work. Thanks, guys. Um, hey, uh, I think we're on to Emily Smith Lee. If you're still with me, you're out there in Massachusetts. It's five o'clock for you. Like it's five o'clock for me, Emily. We, we, we got this. You with me? Hi there. I'm with you. How are you? Hey, I'm so doing all right. thanks for thanks for uh, being here. Uh, you two are a, a captain in our world. You've been in our world for a while. And, and, you know, much like Joe talks about, you know, you've you've made these changes along the way. But last year was a really special year for you. Um, not only did you move your new hires, the clients that retained the firm by 53%, which, which is a, a really big deal. And we'll talk about that a little bit, not just because of the number, but because of some other reasons as well. Um, you were also able to spend some time with your mom, right? And so uh, during what we now know was the, the last year, she was kind of able, able to be in her home. And so um, talk to us a little bit about, I guess, let's start with the emotional stuff first. So, so you're going to make me cry starting off. Rich? No why fear. not? Why not? Why not? <laughs> what, let's get it out of the way. Uh, tears are good. Sure. They're, they're tears of joy. So what, what was that? T talk me through that experience. I know you said back on March 13th, your, your 85 year old mom became unresponsive and, and it took the EMTs 15 minutes and the hospital was a mess. And it, it was like, at that moment, you, you decided you need to make a change. Uh, wh what was that moment like for you? And, and why did you make that change? So, right. So, you know, we all did March with COVID, right? The world is falling apart. Um, for reference, my mom was 85 years old. She lived on a 200 acre farm in the western part of Massachusetts, um, mm -hmm. off the grid, completely like her own world. Um, so, you know, I had, it was 
partially watching COVID and listening to my staff and partially what was happening with my mom and with my family. And it was just a really clear moment for me that I just had to stop and change the rules um, mm. in my office and in my life. Like this was a, a once in a lifetime sort of perfect storm of things that were happening. Um, so I decided to stay in Western Mass, um, mm. which, you know, we had been doing clockworking in 2019. I mean, look, we started 2020 on the launch pad. We had aspects of our business that were running without me. We had two fantastic months revenue wise. I was like, all right, this is our year. This is gonna be our like get closer to freedom year from a monetary perspective. Um, and, you know, when it all came crashing down, it was, it was really, I'm actually kind of grateful to COVID in a weird way. You know that time that I had at the farm, and no, also for and also for my team, like we we had to fully commit to a kind of surge towards a fully more fully clockwork business because like shit wasn't going to get done otherwise. I wasn't coming back. <laughs> yeah, you know, so it's interesting. The just to be clear for anybody who's listening who doesn't know what Emily might be talking about with Clockwork. Clockwork's a book written by Mike Michalowicz. He was a speaker at our, he's been a speaker at our event for a number of years. And, and uh, he wrote, he wrote this book and we did a book study around it. And it's really about systemization of your firm. And, and it, it, it's in line with what we talk about around here. So, so Emily, you made this decision at this moment. Okay. Staff is going to work from home and I'm going to work in Western Massachusetts. Now I remember, by the way, you telling me about Western Massachusetts. And I remember you saying to me, uh, this was before you made this decision. We had this conversation. You were asking me, do I think it's a good idea? And and you were telling me, hang on, uh, I'm, you know, I, I just got back from going across the street to a bar because I needed <laughs> to get two witnesses on a will. And and so I bought them each a shot. I told my bottom a shot afterwards, but they had to sign the will first as a witness, and then I'd buy them a shot of, you know. And so this is like the small town, you know, legal work that you were doing in this town. So it wasn't like you were going to this town to make a a million dollars from work in this town necessarily. You were going to this town with a specific need that, hey, I might be able to spend some time with my mom that I couldn't ordinarily spend, right? She's getting older, don't yep. know what it's like. And to your point of being grateful about COVID, it, it forced you to an extent to you know, uh, make this decision. And so you made the decision and you said, okay, staff, you're going to work from home and, and mom, I'm gonna be with you. And, and that, you know, that was a beautiful thing because I think it's not long ago that mom, you know, wasn't able to live at home anymore. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. And so um, let's talk a little bit about, but it wasn't all, you know, uh, daisies and sunshine either, right? So inside of this, you you all of a sudden recognize, as I remember reading it, that you, you had a, a couple of challenges. One, all of a sudden, the law that you're in, you're in employment law, one of the primary practice areas that you practice in is an employment law. And so you had all these, you know, employees calling you going, what do I do? And, and like nobody had the answers. And you had to become your in-house state expert on this. Talk to me about that. What did that look like? How, how yeah, did you sure. that? So March and April, you know, everybody's panicked, everybody's calling, looking for advice. Everybody wants to talk to a lawyer. Nobody wants to hire a lawyer. They just right. want the answers. Right. And, and nobody had the answers, including myself. So also with that, when our courts shut down, there was really nothing we could do to move our pipeline cases along. So March right. and April for me were, like you said, a lot about developing that expertise, you know, putting content out there, appearing on whatever Zoom things people were making up you know, trying to be the face. But in that time, I also realized that what clients and prospects really were starving for, they're really sick of those messages saying, please bear with our customer service while we hide under the bed and get afraid of COVID. They wanted to call a place and be like, yes, you guys know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. You have a plan. Right. Um, so, you know, we did that, focused on that in the first couple of months. And, and then as I think I put in the essay, I kind of took my eye off the sales knob. Well, right. And that's a great, that's um, a great point, right? So you, you, you had a couple of things going on, right? You first, you had uh, your, these clients asking you questions, you didn't know the answer to. And secondly, you had this base of knowledge, you now had to gain and you had to get out there and market it because, you know, you had cases that weren't going to, 
bring money to fruition because they were contingency-based cases that the legal system was shut down and you had to figure out another way to sell your services and make money. And so you had all this going on at once. And while that was going on, you know, the plates are juggling in the air. You, you happen to just take away, uh, your eye off the sales ball. You said, take your hand off the knob, what we'd like to talk about around here. And you went from, you know, 20 some hires in January, record month thinking cash flow is going to be great. And in May, you closed with, I think, five or six hires, new clients. And, and all of a sudden you woke up and you're like, whoa, what happened? Like you thought maybe it was a small trickle and it was because of COVID. But when it went down to five, you're like, no, 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 there's a major problem. So what did you what did you do? What is the first place you turned when you when you realized your numbers were that far off uh, in number of hires? So, well, and here's a shout out to this program, to the PCLC. You know, it's <clears throat> once I looked back in that direction, it didn't take that long to figure it out, right? Because right. we knew where we had leads. We knew what our sets and shows were. It, it was, we hadn't adapted two things. We hadn't adapted the consult experience to the remote environment in an effective way. And I hadn't gone back and sat with my sales consultants to both support her and also talk about like, what do we need to do differently here? Right. So we kind of spent the next couple months really trying to master Zoom, really trying to figure out a way to concierge that process to, to support the consultant, to, to give her credibility throughout the process with some of the, you know, the information we sent to appointments, but also what we did with the Zoom screens. And, and really just there was the mindset of change of 2020. It was in that May-ish, June period. It's just like, damn it, this isn't temporary and we've got to stop pretending that it is. Um, yeah, and that's huge because, you know, so many other firms that I talk to that are not in our world really thought, you know, just kept waiting for it to go away, right? They just mm -hmm. wait, they just kept waiting for it to change. They, they weren't comfortable. Now, I do want to pluck something out of what you said because some people might not understand it. It, it. Maybe they're not in our world completely or they're new to our oh. world you're using a non-attorney consultant to sell in your consult rooms, right? Yep. And so before this, you almost met with probably almost everybody in person at some level. Is that true? Yeah. Before COVID, we had actually, you know, big push for in-person all right. of 2019. In-person. Yeah. So you're, so here's your sales, non-attorney sales consultant. They're a sales consultant. They're good. And they're, they're selling in person, in person, in person. They're doing really great. They got a great hire rate. Everything's obviously working really well. And then boom, we drop this on them. And you, you kind of assume like the rest of us would, well, they're a salesperson. They're just going to go sell and kind of do the same thing, but it needed attention, right? And they needed yep. support. And so when you, when you were able to quickly identify that, you were able to then go, okay, what do you need? What, how do we support you? So how do we make Zoom better? So how do we get a system for it? How do we swipe and deploy from our members? I think you said something like you borrowed the Dickerson's uh, scripting about a customized drink, but you did it for customizing the Zoom process or what have you. And then um, you also said, okay, do we need to make any scripting changes or adjustments? And then you focused on it, you paid attention to it. And so because, and, I, and listen, I'll give a shout out to Partners Club because I think it does deserve some credit for giving you the insight to be able to say, this is what the problem is. This is why we don't have any clients. Let's go focus on fixing this. And so you went back to the system, you went back to the structure and you focused on it. And what you focus on magnifies and it didn't take you long, like end of May, five or six retentions. But I think June, you were right back up to 20. Am I right? Yeah, thereabouts. And so that quickly, but there's two really important lessons here that I want everybody listening to know. First of all, that you're not alone if you struggled with a blip in COVID, like everybody did. We all, we all did. We all are trying to figure this out. The difference between those law firms that figured their way out and came out the other side stronger and those law firms that I hear about all the time that some of them are filing for bankruptcy or closing their doors or really struggling, not knowing how they're going to make it. That they they didn't think it was ever like they just thought it was going to change and go back to normal at some point and they didn't know where to look and so you guys really took the time and poured into that and so let me let me just get to another point inside of my notes um when you when you went back and to put your hand on the knob and you went back to working with your team like were they did you have to sell them on buying in or were they just because of the culture you'd built that they got it and they were in and with you on this journey? They were amazing. 
you know, they were amazing and all in and, you know, sure, the remote switch exposed some cracks in our system, exposed some sure. things that, you know, we might have been covering for a little bit each other for, but no, they were fantastic. And, and, and I do take, I, I give them most of the credit, but I do think we've tried really hard to build a problem solving culture. Yeah, but you know, and, so at the end of the day, you had this, you had multiple problems going on at once, all law firms did, but yours was compounded in this one little issue that we briefly touched on that you had a bunch of cases that you weren't going to get paid on because the courts weren't moving, right? I mean, so how did you, you know, you able, you were able to maintain revenue, but like if you just brought in more cases that you weren't going to get paid on, you weren't going to get revenue back. Like you were able to keep revenue where it was. Like how, how did you figure out what new types of case or did you change the case type? Like what did you do there to, to try to sell something? I know it might've been lower dollar, but you still mm -hmm. sold something. So what did you do? So we increased our marketing focus on the estate planning stuff. Okay. Um, that's a quick turnaround, easy, doesn't depend on the courts most of the time. We pushed out some of the shorter, shorter term employment cases, like somebody gets laid off and you want to negotiate a quick severance. We can do that in three or four weeks. It doesn't need the courts. So we were pushing those um, mm -hmm. kinds of things, which is great. And we were getting them in and getting them done. But the stuff that goes quickly is lower dollar. Yeah. Yeah, but that's a but that's a really good point. So uh, while you know you and I know when you joined way back when you had you know a couple dozen practice areas, probably not a couple dozen, but you you had <laughs> a number of you had a number of practice areas. And one of the first things we helped you pay attention to was was literally reducing the number of practice areas that you had. It, but but here's the thing: you knew all along that you owned a law license that allows you to have multiple practice areas. And because you had multiple practice areas. And the one practice area was really at risk. The other practice areas were able to lift that up, or maybe let's say one particular practice area was able to lift that up. And you were able to turn on your marketing for that practice area to bring in dollars today. You see, what you did as an entrepreneur is what you're supposed to do. You, 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 sometimes we need a wartime consigliere, right? And, and that's what you were at that moment. You were like, okay, I get it that we, you know, we're not going to make the money from these cases right now. And we still need to do what we do to capture those cases, but we need to figure out a way to bring in new money right now. And you went to work generating new traffic. And I think your Google traffic was up 300% and you're, you, all, you just about doubled your five-star Google review. So whilst you were fixing this sales problem, whilst you were figuring out how to answer your clients, whilst you were going remote, you were pouring in the content to really make a difference. Is that fair? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think the, the Google stuff largely relates to the beginning of the pandemic when I, I just put a ton of time into content and thought into content. Yeah. Spiking a little through the year. Well, and, and that's and that's huge. So there, you know, in, in politics, it's what no crisis goes unused as an opportunity. Right. So like th there was an opportunity here in this COVID out in this COVID outbreak for you to become the expert and and now drive new business through that organic traffic. So, well, listen, congratulations to your success. I can't wait to hear more about the little details of the things that you did. And we're looking forward to your presentation. But before we go, uh, do me a favor. Tell everybody, you know, I know you feel like you already won, but but we are competing. So why would you think that you'd want your peers to vote for you as the 2020 EAY champion? Sure. I didn't prepare a closing statement, but um, so good. I, mean, I didn't, look, I didn't first, tell any of you I was going to prepare a closing that's statement. Okay. So, yeah. First, honest truth, vote for whoever you want. I just can't wait to see everybody. Nice. Um, nice. And, you know, look, I think I'm really proud to be in this finalist group with all the rest of you. I think everybody's worked really hard. I think everybody who's got a couple dollars in their pocket and a plan for next year after COVID is an entrepreneur of the year. Um, you know, my, my story, my priorities, my focus may resonate with some of you more than others, but I'm just happy to be here. Well, thanks so much, Emily, uh, from me to you and everybody here, we're gonna give you a little bit of love on the count of three, one, two, three. Nice work, congratulations. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Annie, you with me? I, I didn't am lose here. you. Okay, great. I didn't. I didn't lose you. This is a win. Did not. <laughs> All right. Thank you for being patient with me today. So, Annie, um, I congratulations on becoming a finalist. I you sent me an email yeah. at the end of the year, uh, you know, saying 
telling me in a in a very short nutshell this story of of you know and really what caught me was a statement that I, that I'm going to bring up here in a second but I want to make sure I read the headline so we so we start this off right you know you you became a business owner who owns a law firm and grew revenues by 68% while increasing your total owner's benefit by 64% now the numbers are great but the statement that I want to focus on was this idea that you became a business owner because I felt or at least it came across to me in the email you sent to me, and thank you for warming my heart with that, was that you didn't see yourself necessarily as a business owner when you entered into our world. And today you feel like you've achieved that title of being a business owner. Is that accurate? That is accurate. Yes. So what, what did life feel like before uh, when you didn't feel like you were a business owner? What did you feel like? What, what, how did you view yourself as an attorney? So, before joining Richard James, I was a lawyer with a bag or a briefcase, and I kind of practiced out of my car. Um, eventually, like, like the Lincoln lawyer, like I was Lincoln? a Lincoln lawyer. Absolutely. Okay, got it. Got it. I got didn't it. have a business. I was a briefcase lawyer. I carried my bags to wherever, whichever court needed me. And at that time, I was also only getting court appointments. So right. I didn't know how to obtain retain clients. I really thought there was a secret or some sort of magic sauce or something that everybody sprinkled on these people out there to make you pay, make them pay you money. <laughs> and when I finally got, you know, my first client, someone actually gave them to me because he had a co-defendant. So I practiced criminal law. And one of my friends from law school had a group where there were several guys in this thing. And he said, hey, I need you to take one of them because I can't represent all of them because of conflict. Hmm. That's how I got my first retained case. Huh. And so because he gave it to me, I still didn't know how to obtain my own clients. So I really was practicing out of my bag and basically taking whatever was given to me from the court. Yeah, and is it fair to say like, not only did you see yourself that way, but you saw yourself that way. Uh, there was nobody really around you to help you to think differently. Is that an accurate statement? I mean, you didn't, you didn't, you weren't surrounded by other entrepreneurs or other lawyers who were telling you what to do, or maybe anybody else in the business world for that matter. You, you felt like you were somewhat on your own and this is kind of what you were supposed to do. Is that right? That is absolutely right. They don't teach you in law school how to actually run a business. They don't teach you that it is a business. They teach you that you're going to become a lawyer. And so I became a lawyer with a bar card and all of my friends around me were lawyers with the bar card. They were standing around the courthouse, going into the bathroom, seeing if one of the guys in there would say, hey, are you a lawyer? I got $500. Can you do my reset? I mean, I literally thought that was, I know that's what they did because that's what they told me they did. And so, I mean, I didn't want to do that, but I also didn't know how other, you know, any other way to do this. I didn't know anyone who owned a business. I didn't know anyone who had, you know, was even close enough to me that I could not be so embarrassed as to ask them, what do I do, you know, hmm. next? And so that's yeah, how that, I ended up here. Well, that makes it hard. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it, one of the things I love about the world we've created, and, and I, I guess I get credit for helping create this world, but really you, you all that populate this world is what makes it. But, but for me, I wanted to create a world that I knew I experienced when I was an entrepreneur. See, I always felt entrepreneurship was a very, very lonely profession. Um, and, and unless you went out and knew where to look for other like-minded entrepreneurs, you, you probably weren't going to find them. Your parents or your kid brothers, your sisters, or your you know, your, your spouse usually doesn't get it. Um, and so there's nobody to talk to. And so part, Partners Club was really designed as this place where you could join together with other like-minded entrepreneurial attorneys and feel like you're just not alone anymore. Is that a feeling you get when you come and participate, whether it be virtually or in person? Absolutely. I mean, you know, one of the, one of the things that when I first found out about you know, the Richard James world and the Partners Club thing. Uh, I had been invited to one of the Partners Club meetings and I didn't have the money to go, so I didn't go. And then the second time I had a little bit more. And so I ventured out, but I knew, and I said to myself, I can't, I can't do anything. I can't join. I just want to see what it's like. 
because I tried so many different things and talked to so many different people and I didn't believe anybody. Uh, so yeah, I may have a little trust issue, but I came out and Don't we all? I heard everything and so many people were so helpful. And I was like, wow, this, there's a place like this. There, there are actually <laughs> lawyers like this that will talk to you and share with you and, and they're not hiding it. I mean, I really yeah. was seeing that world where no one's going to tell you how to do the next thing and become better and, you know, obtain clients and succeed. And so when I joined, when I attended the first partners club, I joined and I sat and talked to so many different people. And, and the thing I kept hearing from the folks who knew me was I, I didn't, I didn't think you were going to join. I don't know right. why they had that image, but they didn't think I was going to join. Well, so, they, they had an image of where you were, right? You, what you, you, when you joined our world, you first started listening to automobile university, right? So you oh, bought yeah. the, your practice master toolkit and you bought automobile university and you went, mm -hmm. you know, first year you, when you first found us, you were doing 45, $50,000 in the court appointed fees. And then you, you, attended automobile university and then that next year in 2019 i think it was i think you almost you know you did like a hundred thousand dollars and so when you joined our world your your gross revenues were were low and people were like hey that represents a decent percentage you're going to be okay but you know what you knew is that you just knew you knew that that this information was an investment and I'm not touting Partners Club. It's just like when you get somewhere and you know that you need this information and you can't get it anywhere else, I get it, right? And and yeah. and it's not just the information we talk about uh, in the toolkit because you already had that. It's the community and it's plugging into everybody else. So what what was that first thing that you did when you left Partners Club that first time with your 13-week plan? What did you attack first? Because you already had the toolkit and you were starting to learn how to market and build your following and and, and get some traffic to your to your firm, my prospects calling you. But what was the first thing that you did when you left Partners Club? When I left Partners Club, the first thing I did was to look for some help mm -hmm. because I had been flying solo for a while and hearing about all the different team members that some of the other attorneys had in their office really inspired me to, you know, take that plunge and find someone that could at least help me to organize and stay on top of things because I, I was having a really hard time trying to grow when I had to wear every hat. So first thing I did was hire a, a legal receptionist. When you brought on that new person to help you, was there a position that you focused on over others that you thought this was really where I had to focus? Well, I knew I needed help with, you know, just keeping the calendar, make sure I don't miss any of my court dates. Um, someone also needed to reach out to the clients uh, because again, I was trying to work the cases up, trying to gather evidence, do my own investigation, call the clients, discuss the cases, ask for the pleas and offers. And so I just needed someone to manage all of that administrative stuff so that I could focus on the cases in the court. Yeah. And so um, when you when you started to bring that person on, did they start feeling the new prospect calls too and, and help you answer the phones? Or did you have somebody else do that? No, they handled the phones at that time. I just they did. I, yeah, I, they I wore was, many. They wore many hats, right? That's the they point. Did. They had to they had to do it all, like answer yeah. the phone, set appointments. I need you to like. There's no one job for you. Like I need you to be the chief cook and bottle wash, um, yeah. and and do everything. Are they? By the way, are they still with you today? Uh, I actually let her be a superstar somewhere else, but before she left, I had her train her replacement. Got it. Yeah. So, so, I mean, that sometimes happens because when they come in, they come in in this one role and they're doing everything and then you get busier and you need to start to segment the roles out. And sometimes there was resentment there. Sometimes it doesn't always work the way you want it to work or they want it to work and it doesn't always match. And so that's not uncommon. And then you, so you, when you dedicated either this person to do the phones or you had a dedicated person to answer the phones, how important was that for somebody to manage the phones for you? Like, what, what, was that a game changer? Like, was that a big deal of not you not having to manage the new leads yourself and having somebody else do it for you? Yes. So I only added the phone person around the end of the summer last year. So right. I started and handled everything with just the legal receptionist. And then I hired the phone person and she is a firecracker. She figured out how to do things that I didn't even teach her to do. And she makes, she makes it work. She is wonderful. So she is definitely a game changer in my firm. But, and this is a really good point, 
even though you didn't have the resources, the revenue to maybe support a dedicated phone person back in the beginning, I don't think you let that stop you. I think you realized you needed your phones answered. So you, I believe you used an answering service and you trained your answering service how to use the 11-step system that we teach about setting the appointment. Is that right? Yes, I did. Uh, and I learned that from Automobile University. I think my CDs are probably so warped by now because I played them for a full year. We'll get uh, you a new set. <laughs> before I joined. And so I knew I needed a phone person. Uh, and I, I heard about Lex Reception at my first visit, my first Partners Club meeting. And I trained them to do the 11 steps and they are, they've mastered it. We got our script, you know, perfected. And I've been using it now for probably two years or however long I've had them. And they still manage to get appointments. They take payments, they do reminders. I mean, they're wonderful. But it's fair to say while Lex is a great vendor, it's not set it and forget it, right? Like, like right. you had to work with them to get them to where they are today. Is that a fair statement? Oh yes, they all know me by name. I talk to them <laughs> all the time. <laughs> right, so they're an extension of your firm and, and you know, you had to make decisions as to, you know, the more money you spent with them, at some point it made sense to now bring on that full-time person, but it's a great way to outsource. But it wasn't like, oh, just go do the 11 steps. It was like, no, 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 no. I got to work with you to make sure you get this right and mystery shop and go through that whole process. And, and I got to train you in all the little idiosyncrasies. It, it doesn't just happen like just with a click of a button or a wave of a mouse or, you know, I dream of genie moment. You really had to put in the work. And so here you are doing this while being the lawyer and going to court and changing the brakes on the cars you're driving down the road. You know, how, how are you able to do it all? Like how, how somebody's, somebody else is out there going, okay, I, I'm a court appointed attorney too. And I made $50,000 last year and I want to do what you're doing. And, and how, how did you get it all done? How did you find the time? Well, I'd like to think that I, I manage my own time very well. Um, part of that is being here with three kids and balancing them. Yeah. Uh, so I learned how to do multiple things at once. And I've taught the, the team members that I brought on board to also uh, micro, not micro tax, multi, multitask. So they all can do a couple of things at once. Um, and, you know, you just kind of pick the things that are going to be staples. The phone's going to be a staple. It's not going anywhere. The calendar is going to be a staple. It's not going anywhere. So I picked those broad staples and either, you know, I have them for myself. I have them for each of my team members. And we just kind of take care of the staples. And from doing that, those additional add-ons just kind of fall into place. Um, but it really is good time management. So you, you've uh, grown your firm uh, a considerable number. You grew your owner's benefit. You're probably making a significant multiple over what you were making before as a, as a uh, court-appointed attorney. Um, but how does it feel to be a business owner now? It feels really good. I, I love the business part of my firm. I actually probably enjoy that a lot more than the lawyer part of my firm. Uh, but I'm hoping that my lifestyle with the, with the increase in the successes will go to the point where I am able to pick and choose the cases that I want to work on and have a few attorneys under me that handle the rest of the day-to-day the -day, you know, maintenance. That's great. Well, listen, congratulations on all your success. But before we go, uh, do me a favor, tell everybody what, you know, I know you feel like you've won and it certainly shows in the numbers, but why do you think they should vote for you as the 2020 EAY champion? Well, I can say I've definitely won and I have to thank everybody in my group, my PIP group and the Partners Club, because we all did this. They, we all share so many details and secrets and things that aren't secret, but that's how I got here and I, how I think I'll stay and maintain here. Um, but if you were to, to vote for me for EAY, it would be because in 2020, you know, my office and myself, we learned so much about running a business. We learned how to get through the valley um, when there is a storm ahead of us, like the COVID. Um, we were able to close sales on the phone. And that was one of my biggest struggles last year. Mm. I, I can talk to people, but trying to close a sale on the phone when most of us have sales fear anyway, that was the most difficult thing, but I managed it. And I think, and I thank God actually that I managed it so well at some point late last year, I had to stop taking calls because <laughs> I could not 
I didn't have the capacity. Right. Uh, so I, I ask, you know, if my name becomes the one, the next one on that trophy, that it will be because I worked, we all worked our tail off last year. Fantastic. Well, I can't promise you one way or the other way, whether your name will be on the trophy. It is democratic around here. We do it by a vote, but I'm certainly looking forward to your story, hearing more about the details on the 30th of August at Partners Club. Uh, from me to you and all of the family members here at Partners Club, we'll give you a, well, a welcome. Uh, congratulations on the count of three. One, two, and three. Thank you. All right. So, uh, Annie, thanks so much. Congratulations to all of you uh, uh, as finalists. For those of you that stuck around, thank you so much. Um, I appreciate you. Partners Club is just around the corner, a mere few weeks away. Uh, and we're totally excited about this EAY championship and the competition and what you're going to learn from them. If you have any questions, if I didn't cover something today or you have some questions for the finalists, I'm, I'm happy to pass them on. You can email me at richard at therichardjames.com. Uh, if you want to learn more about our world and you're a guest here, you can go to therichardjames.com forward slash PPGP. That's Peter, Peter, George, Peter. Uh, and so we'd love to have you there. If you're if you're in EA Nation for the first time and you're hearing this as a recording because it wasn't able to be live, thanks for your patience. We appreciate you. And and if you're in, if you're in uh, iTunes or YouTube or whatever, subscribe, like, comment, whatever you can do to help us get some traction and get the word out there. We'd appreciate you. For me to you, thank you so much. I look forward to helping you build build your business one system at a time. Appreciate you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I hope you learned something about a system that you could put into your law firm so you can build that law firm that supports your lifestyle rather than undermine your lifestyle. I hope that you feel like you're part of our community we call Entrepreneurial Attorney Nation. If you'd like to learn more about what we do around here, the best way to get started is to go ahead and go to our website, therichardjames.com. That's therichardjames.com and request a free copy of one of our books so that you can take the next step in learning how we can help you build your practice better one system at a time.